Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector. And as usual with me is the uh, great Mr. Rob Hirschfeld. Good morning, Rob. Stephen, good morning. Good to be here. Good to be with you. And of course, uh, this could be a great podcast. I think it will be. I'm very excited. One, uh, you know, Often for our listeners, we try to track down some people that we think are pretty big names that are really experienced podcasters. And um, we are lucky that she agreed to join us. So let me introduce everyone to Trisha Howard, who is a client manager at Optive in uh, New York working on uh, cybersecurity. Trisha, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Very excited well, to do this. Well, this is fantastic to have you on. So usually before we go, uh, if you can just give a little quick background of yourself and what you're working on, and then uh, Rob and I will jump in with plenty of questions for you. Yeah, sure. So um, my background is I was a theater major and uh, ended up in the wonderful world of security. So I work at Optive covering uh, New York and New Jersey clients and see pretty much uh, the the biggest and the best that we have in the industry of being in this market. So a lot of good stuff happening over here. That's amazing. One of the things that jumped out for, for me when when we first saw you was interacting through Twitter because you have a great voice, um, and in security, it's important to have a good voice. Thank uh, you. So I, I was hoping to have us re, you know, bring back something we, we do occasionally, which is the Rantcast uh, format uh, for you and, and give you a chance to sort of spin up a little bit, if you will, on um, a topic. Let me just for the listeners explain what the Rantcast format is. The idea here is... Um, all of us have something that that sort of gets our blood going a little bit, and uh, so it's nice to be able to rant about it, <laughs> uh, which, which I'm going to encourage Trisha to do for about five minutes. I might join in, and then um, and then we deconstruct the rant because uh, my experience has been in in anything that's getting on our nerves. There's there's some some rationale behind it, and so it's nice to sort of pull back and then spend a couple minutes, maybe fifteen. Um, to get balanced and say that's this way because of this. This is how we we fix the problem. This is how we discuss it. So that's that's sort of the the rank cast format. Originally, latest shiny was supposed to be all rank cast, um, but people aren't aren't I don't think as amenable to the uh, winding themselves up. Uh, <laughs> game. So so uh, does that sound good? Yeah. Oh Here's yeah. It. Oh yeah. I've got several right. things to rant about. <laughs> well, and you're in security, so I imagine everybody with security running around with exclamation points and question marks over their head all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. Um, actually, the exclamation point and question mark is one of the biggest rants that I have, uh, which is the lack of security awareness outside of the IT and security teams. So um, anybody who has listened to me before or watched or read any of my stuff knows uh, that I'm pretty much barking at this point around security awareness. And, and not just from an end user perspective, but also I think it's a big responsibility of, of the tech giants to make it easily digestible for end users to know where their data is going and what it's being used for, right? Um, and this is something that we traditionally as the tech community haven't done a good job of because we like to end user shame rather than end user enable. And it's a huge, huge thorn in my side whenever I see, especially, you know, on Twitter, um, people will come out and say, well, you know, the end user is this or the end user is that. No, that's garbage. We need to be teaching them how to, how to protect their data, uh, not only personally, but also it has a huge effect on the corp, on the corporate 
uh, corporation itself, right? If we're teaching a if we're teaching a, a regular end user what the importance of encryption is and what the importance of changing your passwords are and what the importance is of not reusing those passwords, that doesn't only save them, it saves the corporation as well from, you know, potential data theft. And, and I mean, phishing is still one of the biggest ways people are getting in. Are you kidding me? Let's go back to 2002. Like we have to be teaching these people, we have to be teaching everyone, not just the, not just the privileged accounts, not just, you know, the, the C levels, if you will, we need to be teaching everyone the importance of security. And I think that falls on us. I think it does because they are not equipped to put in the uh, curriculums in schools and put in the curriculums within, within an organization to actually effectively teach them security awareness. Is that ranty enough for you? My goodness, that is awesome because I have a whole page of notes now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so let let's start from the back, right? Sure. You, you know, schools people are not educated, right? We don't have the formal technology education, right? So you're you're does, is there a rant in that also of oh, like, yeah. oh my God, come on, we have to, we can't be passing digital natives who are trained on Facebook Facebook as their security policy, right? Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there there is there is a degree of user. I don't. I, I'm not assuming you want to let users off the hook, but, but no. it seems like it seems like there's a whole bunch of stuff that that we as an industry uh, let let people down. So I'm I'm going to take a quick counter on this, which sure. is sure. But I you know, data's on my business. Let me let me start with that one. I've so okay. there's so many, but data's my business. If I told people how much data I'm collecting. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and how much you know? Then that would compromise my business, right? What do what do I do? What do I do if you know? Do I take less information? Do I charge people money for something that that I need the data to to give them for free? Oh, that's a great question. So, do you have to tell them absolutely everything that you're doing? No, there is a secret sauce that has to be kept, right? But we are also in a much more collaborative. Uh, space regarding security now. If you look in about 10 years ago, nobody talked about what they were doing on the back end. Now we've got companies who openly discuss which vendors they're using, right? And this is this has to come down to it's that same idea. If the if the user should have the right to know what they are opting in for. If I sign up for I'm a security professional, I know that whenever I click on a stupid quiz, somewhere and put in, you know, what is your favorite genre of music? I know that, that that they're data mining me. And I'm okay with that because I'm opting into that. But that is not clear to somebody who doesn't live this every day. That is a problem for me, right? Data privacy is a right. And while yes, it is very difficult to maintain in this digital era, they need to understand it. As far as it hurting your business, not necessarily. It's basic. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you have to tell them how your business is run. I'm saying that they need to understand what their data is being used for in some in at a very high level. You don't have to be a mechanic to know to put a seatbelt on when you get in the car. Do you see what I mean? I, I do. I mean, I, I guess I'm thinking through this Mark Zuckerberg in Congress scene where a, a congressman, I think it, it might have been Grassley. It, was, it, it felt like somebody from, you know, another uh, you know, three generations back saying, you know, how do you make money? And he's like, we sell ads. And, right. and to me, I heard we sell people's data. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Um, which, right? Because because I think people don't 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 think ad selling is data selling. Um, 
you're not just saying you're not just showing somebody a picture of of something like we used to put in a newspaper. You're you're selling the data so that the ad is targeted. Yes. Yes. Um, but, but I want to I want to make sure we're we're because this you know we want you to rant about security. Can do we are we intermixing or should we be intermixing data privacy and security? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. that I think that the um, I because I don't see them as mutually exclusive, and I never really have. Because from a the reason I preach security awareness so much, um, which falls into data privacy, uh, obviously is because like I said before, the the mannerisms and culture that we build at home comes into the workplace, it comes into the school, all that stuff. If we're building a culture around it, then everyone is more secure. And there's uh, the data privacy piece is just a more personal angle to it to make people pay attention. If I look, I have a lot of friends who are not technical whatsoever, right? If I started going off about, you know, a breach came in this way and did this and that, whatever, their their ears are going to shut off. But if I say, you know, what happened was they clicked on a malicious email, and now all of their personal uh, healthcare data was compromised. That's something they're going to listen to, right? So it, I definitely do think that they have to be in the same conversation because we are moving more. It, everything is connected now. It's not siloed. We've moved way beyond that and it has a personal component so i mean when we talk about you know somebody's secu- you know oh boy and there's personal security user security there's corporate security sure. you know we're still we're, we're sort of on the user security piece but that, i guess that to me feels like there is this this push and pull because you know as a as a company taking my identity my security you know which is which has my security tied into it there's a tremendous reason to to tear that down behind behind the scenes, even if your passwords aren't. So, I mean, I'm sort of jumping past this password security, and I want to get back to the industry's responsibility to, to help customers secure that basic information mm-hmm. into, let's assume that they came in secured, but all of a sudden, all this information they have is now leaky all behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Where's, you know, that that's part of your rant too, right? It's like, all right, I, I trusted a company with information. And yes. then it's not just that they got breached. They they actually gave it away. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do how do we what's what where's first, what's the company's responsibility? What what should they what should they be doing? Um oh, that's so loaded. Um as <laughs> <laughs> I gotta unpack this one a bit. So sure. As far as as far as what is the company's responsibility, I mean, I think it's it's pretty simple. Just be open about what you're what you're doing in within within reason, right? I don't need to know. I don't need to know all your algorithms. I don't need access to all of that because, frankly, most people. I don't even think I would understand that. I'm not a data scientist. That's not my job. But what my job is is to in in at Optive is to help secure my clients and make sure that they're making right decisions whenever they are moving into, let's say, a cloud model, um, as far as what the responsibility is of the other provider, um, they need to they need to make sure that everyone is on board and they're, uh, everyone is on board with what they're trying to do. So, for example, if you take a, um, I don't know, a, a marketing platform, right, and that marketing team puts in... Uh, you know, puts in their customers' email addresses and it doesn't go all the way back to security and says, hey, hey, hang on a minute. That's not that's not what we've done. 
it might be good for the business, right? And it's definitely good for the business that you're putting your data into. But if that other company gets compromised, suddenly your data is out there. So this is, um, is that kind of what you're getting at? Like, what is the responsibility there? I, I think there's that, but I, I also, you know, I guess, and maybe it's, this is so invisible, I, I don't even know. Um, but, you know, I, I, I believe that the data that I put in, you know, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, is is being analyzed and then forwarded and shared to other other companies, other entities that have an interest in that data. Sure. Um, that you know that they they want they they want me to be engaging and sharing that information because it's then behind the scenes aggregated and pooled. Right. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of free services out there that are that are oh, nothing's free. Nothing's free. Data's a currency. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And that's and but I guess that's my point. Exactly. Right. We understand that because we live this world. You know what I mean? The the typical end user doesn't necessarily understand that. What's the responsibility of the um, what, what the responsibility of in that particular like social media, whatever is just saying when I sign up for an app, just give me a couple of bullet points. Hey, this is going to use this. And they've changed it now because of recent events, right? Where this is starting to happen. But even basic courses, like, do you understand, like, do you understand what you're signing up for? Uh, and, and this is something that somebody like I can do. I kind of do a little bit already. I'm, I'm basically a, a security hound on my Facebook now. Anybody that posts something that's even remotely touches security, I'm like, I'm on it. I got it. Pull out my cape. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, but that kind of stuff, that's what I'm talking about in, in reference to the industry. I'm not saying by any means that a, a person who signs up for a quote unquote free service and has to put in their email and whatever needs to understand the innermost workings of a network. Because one, that's just not realistic. My point is very high level. Just what am I going to be using it for? And, and if it comes a third party risk is one of the biggest aspects of risk, who else is going to be using it? Right. Even if it, even if it doesn't name them by name, right. Just, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to use your data. We're going to use your email address to put in, x database okay fine if i want to do that then that's fine if i don't then i don't i mean i think that's kind of where gdpr uh was pushing us anyway and i think it was a good regulation that needed to happen um and and honestly it helps save the the company from future liability because that person or that company if you will has opted into that service the problem that we've had in the past is that they didn't know they didn't know that their data was being used by somebody else well this eliminates that if it says, if it says, hey, we know you knew what you were signing up for, just because you doesn't like don't uh, don't like it, it's not my problem. You see what I'm and saying? I no, I totally do, and and I think that you know I'm I'm a little surprised that we follow this rabbit hole down from general security. You know what what I what I was thinking general security into data privacy and protection. And my bad. I no, no, no. This is this is you're awesome. It it's. It is something that people are not thinking through in in when we discuss security. You know, because I you know I'll have the security discussions, and we've had some great guests, uh, Mike Kale, Mike DeKale on the podcast. We talked about security. Chris Stefan have talked about security and GDPR, so he actually crosses the bingo table for with you. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know, we talk about this, and we talk about how to secure systems. Yeah, sure. And and you know I, I think and I, you know I want to I want to push us into that a little bit too, but it, 
yay, we're securing systems and then taking the secure data and, and spreading it all over the internet. And yeah. I, I think you, it doesn't make it doesn't matter if, if your passwords are secure, if all of your personal data is then sold behind the scenes yes. securely yes. to, to other parties. Um, so, and people need to think about that also. It, it's, it's a component of how leaky our systems are. It's yeah, it's it's a huge component of of any security strategy. And I as far as, you know, securing systems, it's absolutely important. By no means am I saying, "Oh, you can forget your firewall. We've given our employees security awareness training." Like no, no, no. Obviously, they are tools and they need to be used. And we do need to, you know, focus on on hardening techniques and, you know, I think zero trust is an interesting um an interesting component of that and, you know, all, all that all that kind of stuff. Out absolutely needs to happen. But when you ask me to rant, this is the biggest thing that I rant about constantly because because it again, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you have the best bouncer in the world if your bartender is a gunman. We have to be dealing with the insider threat and the insider threat piece a lot of it comes into personal security and data privacy because uh, talking about passwords, I mean, we have what on average 90 different accounts now. And most people reuse the same password. Well, that's not going to do any good if you if my personal Gmail gets hacked and I use the same uh, password for my Gmail that I do for my Optiv login, which I don't, obviously. Um, <laughs> then, then suddenly Optiv is at risk. Do you see what I mean? So it's it's right. all about it. I mean, I, I, I oh, think so, it's so that in that case, what you're saying is is that the the users by spreading passwords, by reusing passwords, are actually creating risk for the vendors. 100%. They're creating risk for everybody. Yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) This is like that hack that spread between Apple and like two years ago where somebody had gotten the the last four digits of a credit card and then used that to unlock an Apple ID and then used that to unlock an Amazon account. And they they sort of took a little piece of data from each, each account. Yep. And one breach made the next one vulnerable, one bad practice. 100%. It's the same with SIM hacking, all of that. St- I mean, you know, there, there are ways to get around the tools that we have put in place as security professionals. I mean, the the whole SIM hacking bit where they actually take dominion over your SIM card so that they can get the, uh, you know, uh, SMS code for MFA. Like you see what I mean? It it all, it all, it's all encompassing. It has, it's not, it's not a silver bullet. There isn't one. There never will be. Security changes every single day. So we just have to be evolving. But I think the, the biggest, one of the biggest ways we can, we can work against the, the threat actors is to just enable people. Stop taking it off the table. Let's teach people instead of shame them. And, Regard. I don't. I, for sim hacking, there was a. Um, I think it was a media lab, not a media lab. Um, Radio lab. Easy to get those confused. <laughs> Radio lab episode just about sim hacking. Yep. That that um, people should go look that up. Um, let's, let's make sure we get that in the channel because they spent an hour talking about sim hacking, and um, just blew blew me away with the extents to which they went in in pursuing that to safeguard their privacy. And, and that, that was a full hour. It's yep. just stunning. Um, so, so Trisha, I watched a video yesterday that had a lady of, she was a journalist and she decided that she was going to try to prevent herself when she was online from being all her data getting stolen by not using any of the large corporations. I don't know if you've seen this. 
I so haven't, she just no. said, So she decided for a week to not use Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple. Uh, in no way am I saying these are evil, bad corporations. Please don't come attack us. I'm just saying. <laughs> she said, and she was looking at the fact of how much monopoly power these companies have to try to say, is there a way to not use them and, in effect, try to prevent a lot of this data you know, your data being lost and stuff like that. And um, basically, she found it was basically impossible. Mm-hmm. And even some of the things uh, I use, like, for example, I don't use Google search. I use Duck. I think is it DuckDuckGo? Everyone yeah. should be using that if you're not. Trisha, do you use DuckDuckGo? I do. I? I do. Okay, good. So now I feel confident that I made it to choice. <laughs> but she said even that runs on Amazon, so she couldn't use it. It does. Yeah. And, and so... um Maybe it's a maybe part of this is a regulation thing from the government. I know no one wants to hear that, but monopoly power at this scale prevents us from even using the computers without this hap- without stopping all the data store- stealing. I don't think that was a question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's funny. Um, no, it it is kind of a question. Um, it's something that even if it wasn't, I can piggyback on the comment. I, I'm a huge fan of of regulation when it comes to this stuff because it's it's new, right? I mean, even though even though social media has been around for a while, really, it's only truly picked up in this way in recent years, right? So. I mean, I think there is going to be much more regulation. I think GDPR, like I mentioned before, is a great start. We've got a couple of good ones happening in in the U.S. as well. And I think once what it will do um, not only is keep keep the the giants at um, not at bay, but, you know, in check, if you will. uh, But it'll also, again, um, enable people to to learn more about it and, and be safer with their own data. So yeah, that's an interesting. I'll have to look that up. I I I wasn't aware, but it doesn't surprise me that it's impossible to do because everything, our whole life is run off of our cell phones. Our right, entire but, life is run off our cell phones. And these four or five corporations own it. Just as just what was amazing, just to send a large file, she had mm-hmm. to use a application through the dark web, which is some evil thing. Really? Maybe you can comment on that. The dark web is not some evil thing, right? It's just the place to go. Uh, that isn't controlled. Can you quickly kind of clarify what that is? Because even I get confused. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, when you look at the internet, um, the things that come up in a typical Google search, uh, the internet's like an ocean, right? Which is whence the the, the term deep web. When you look yeah. at a, Go- you search for something on Google, it's you're only getting like the surface, just like we see in the ocean. Um, the deep web it, in itself is not an evil entity. Um, it is just unregulated and and it's much um, it's much more anonymous, which is why it has gotten this really ugly term because in that you know breeds nefarious acts so it's not it's not necessarily a big bad scary thing um but it you have to be careful when you get down there it it has some scary stuff there for sure you're making me want to practice my super villain laugh (laughs) 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 not very super villainy i'm just not i I can cut it amazing Uh. But, but yeah, I, the dark. I mean, this is this is one of the interesting balances, right? The dark web was actually uh, tour routers were set up by um, the, the NSA. NSA. Yes, yes, <laughs> we created yes. it ourselves. The government. We did. We did. But it makes sense that they would, though, right? They need to have something that's untraceable, even by the big corporations. It makes sense for that to happen. But you know, 
and this this is this is the dilemma that we we put ourselves in. Um, I'm I boy, I'm a super super fan of this idea that that identity is is a real problem on the internet. Yes. Um, it's and a new perimeter. It's it's a new, it's wow. Um, do do we end up in a place where ultimately we're going to have to have a a circle, um, David Ebers book, a circle like um, thing where we we don't have anonymity, right? Your your identity is provable on the internet. Will that solve this problem? Oh, I like that idea. Um, oh, possibly. Yeah, it's. Tr- I mean, it's. It's. It. Uh, wow, that's really tough. Your, your identity. You're not anonymous walking on a street, right? Um. And we have this idea that that and you know twenty years ago there it was there wasn't that much commerce flowing on the internet, so sure. it was more about information today it's much more about commerce yep um and then i even i would even go to i o t and and you know touch briefly on edge and one of our favorite topics right if if we've got you know hundred to one devices, the identity of those devices is actually even more important. Oh, um, did you read my blog or did you just accidentally no, set me up on this? Oh, oh, We're man. professionals, Trisha. <laughs> Rob won't tell you. I'll send you the bill later. No, so um, I, wrote a, I wrote a blog actually uh, for the US Cyber Mag uh, that talked about, uh, it was called The Identity of Things. And it was a theoretical blog talking about how we need to, identity could potentially solve the IoT problem. Where instead of like, let's take a hospital, uh, for instance, and an MRI machine, you know, this is a used machine or a, a, a community machine, if you will, multiple doctors use it, all that stuff. If we gave that machine an identity and set it up on really very specific parameters, um, you had to go through multi layers of authentication to be evil, even be able to use the machine, much less access the data that it is pushing out, we could potentially help solve the the iot problem uh so we don't run into another you know attack of the clones problem that we did a couple of years ago so yeah that's i 100 percent agree with you i think that would fi- i think identity i said it before it's the it's the new perimeter identity will fix a lot of things if we can do it right problem is a lot of companies uh haven't necessarily implemented great practices <laughs> for identity we we have we will definitely get a link to that that yeah. post in the show notes, uh, this is, I can tell we're getting near the end of the, the podcast. Cause we get to the point where I have another 30 minutes of, of questions. <laughs> and Trisha, that's why I told you I step in because that's what we've gone from 50 minute podcast and they were moving towards an hour. And that's when I had to stop. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I, 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 but I do have, I do have an important question because, because there is a theme that we've come up with multiple times and, and I actually think it's a good closing question, which is perimeter, perimeter, perimeter. We keep, you know, everything you've talked about is this idea that you know we think of security as perimeters, even down to, you know, protecting personal data and then having companies share it out the back door. Yep. Oh, uh, how should we be thinking of security if if there's no perimeter? Ooh, that's a fun question. Um I think we need to look at security as an entire holistic um, solution rather than a you know siloed tool set. It, you would be surprised at how many people still think that buying a box or um, you know implementing a new a new policy 
will help secure them. We need to be looking at security as a culture rather than a tool set. And I think that that will help a lot because with the, you know, with things like SaaS applications and with things um, like the cloud and, and, and edge and all these other, you know, super fun things that are happening, um, we can't look at it the same anymore. So by making it a cultural shift rather than just a technology shift, I think will help a lot of, a lot of companies and a lot of people personally. So, Rob, I think this was fantastic. We haven't done a, a rant cost, and Trisha, you were you were great. You just you just <laughs> get right what we were thinking about, and um, we we you, yeah, loved it. <laughs> I mean, it's just fantastic. So, we're gonna put our call out at the end of this. If you think you can out rant Trisha, let uh, <laughs> Rob and I know. We are. We are always looking for people to rant and, you know, Trisha, it's hard to, we want to do a lot of security stuff, but you know how it is. No one ever likes to talk about security. Sure. And so, and sometimes we get some security people and they're so complicated that no one understands. I really think this is a, a great discussion of uh, security and, and you do a great job of talking about it at a, a bit higher level without super details, which makes, uh, which makes it really nice. And, uh, Rob, I mean, this was great. This is this was as good a rant cast as we've had in a long time. I learned stuff, which I love. It was really good. Well, Trisha, we super appreciate you having having you on. I knew this was going to be good fun. And uh, you know, should anything else come up in the future, and you feel like you want to chat to uh, to our listeners and everything, please let Rob and I know. That. You're certainly welcome back on the podcast. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, and Trisha, if people want to find you. Uh, where should they go? Any events coming up in, in the spring that you'll be at that people can uh, go and listen? I assume you talk all the time at events. So where should they go? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, the easiest way to find me is definitely on uh, on Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, all of them, you can find me at Trisha Kicks Sass. So that's uh, Trisha Kicks S A A S. Yes, um, uh, I was so proud of that. Still am. Um, and uh, if you have specific questions around, you know, corporate security or maybe what Optiv does, Trisha.Howard at Optiv.com is an easy way to find me as well. As far as events, um, I'm firming up a couple of things uh, in the spring and I'll be sure to be pushing them out on my social channels. So, I mean, Twitter is probably the best way. So one last question, Trisha, as we were discussing dogs a few weeks ago yes. in our pre thing, did you watch the first night of Westminster last night by chance? Yes, I did. Yes, okay. I did. I loved it. I actually went to Westminster uh, two years ago. I went and watched the whole thing, and I sat down there with the handlers, and it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. So my little mini Doxy and I last night are cheering on the long-haired Dotson. So uh, mm -hmm. that is who we're pulling for tonight for the finals. This was recorded before, obviously, to come out after the winner is announced, but... Uh, uh, now, now, you know, now you know what you need to do to get on the show. You just need to swap some dog pictures. If you send us dog pictures, you move up in the order. Classic. Classic. Makes sense. All right. Well, thanks to both of you and to our listeners. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And uh, do reach out to Trisha. She, she has amazing content on social. And uh, I, I know that since we've kind of discovered her a couple months ago, we've been I've been watching all her stuff. And uh, certainly I encourage our listeners to follow her on social. Well, thanks to both of you again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you.